chapter of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 10. We've been going through in a study verse by verse, expositorily through the book of Acts, and we are now reached, uh, or have now reached chapter number 10. I have no idea how long we've been in Acts, um, but uh, it's been a profitable study. I know by the time we reach the end of a book when we do this, I'm like, wow, it's already over. You know, I, I, I hate to, to leave the study, but there's, there's more. And like I said Sunday, last, last Lord's Day, we'll never exhaust God's Word. We could go back after we finished the book of Acts and start on chapter 1, verse 1, and go through it again and see more than, than we saw the first time through. So uh, let's, let's read from Acts chapter 10, and we'll begin with verse number 30. We'll kind of give you, um, if you're familiar with the book of Acts, kind of give you a little background um, just by starting in verse number 30. Our text is really found in verse number 33. Uh, that's where our text is going to be uh, this morning. But if you're familiar with the story of Cornelius and him sending to Joppa for Peter to come, and uh, preach the word to him because an angel had appeared to Cornelius, a Roman centurion, and the angel told him that you know some men are coming, and you need to go with them whenever uh, whenever he uh, arrives or whenever they arrive. And so, as Peter's sitting on top of the house and he's meditating, he sees the sheet and all these unclean animals inside, and and the Lord tells him, you know, what I have cleansed, you don't call unclean. And Peter didn't get the message exactly right then, but the message for him was, you know, the, the gospel is not only for the Jew, but it's also for the Gentile. And so here these Gentiles arrive, and the Spirit says unto him, there are three men at the door seeking you. Go with them, doubting nothing, questioning nothing. You go with them, and, and that's really the, upon the heels of where we are um, this morning. Peter is now coming, and he has arrived. Um, verse number 30, we'll start reading there, read through verse 33. And um, Cornelius said to Peter, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, angel we spoke of a while ago, and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon a tanner by the seaside, who when he cometh, shall speak unto thee. In our text this morning, verse 33, Immediately, therefore, I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now, therefore, are we all here, present before God, to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. And the title of the message this morning is Present Before God to Hear. And we're taking it from that 33rd verse there. And you, you think about What's happening? You think about this man who you meet Cornelius in the beginning of Acts chapter 10, and he has been praying, he's been fasting, he's been seeking God. He wants to know God. He doesn't really know the Savior. He hasn't really heard the gospel, but he's seeking God. We don't meet too many people like that nowadays that are seeking God, but he is. He wants to know God. And the angel comes to him and says, Your prayers and your alms, he's been giving alms to the poor. He says, your prayers and your alms, your good works have come up before God as a memorial. Does God take notice of these things? Absolutely he does. You know, this man is seeking him. God took notice. This man's praying unto God. And God took notice and sent even an angel unto him to speak to him. How remarkable is that? 
That's pretty remarkable. And then prepares the messenger, sitting up on top of, of a house, meditating because the food's being prepared, and he's spending his time wisely. He's meditating and praying unto God, and God shows him, you need to go to this man. You need to preach unto this man the gospel. He needs to hear the gospel. He's been seeking my face, and I'm going to speak unto him. And we've been kind of talking about that in these past messages. God's speaking all the time. He's always speaking. And we use the illustration. I think it is, is, is uh, appropriate. We speed down the road every day going to work. And all this beautiful creation that God has made. If we, were to, if we don't take much notice of it, but we stopped and we went out and sit in the, in the forest, and we'd see, and we begin to look, and we begin to hear even the trees speaking unto us. And look, this is a, look at this mighty oak that God has made. Look at me, you know, and the birds and the animals and all the things that God has done. God's speaking all the time. It's us who are not listening like we ought to. And we talked last Lord's Day about being still. Be still and know that I am God. And if we will come here with our hearts prepared, if we will come here praying and asking God to speak unto us, I, I trust that you pray for me every week. You know, I, I need your prayers. I need grace to be able to hear from, from the Lord and, and know what it is that he wants me to speak unto you. And you need grace to hear. You know, the Lord needs to open our, our ears and our eyes and our hearts to receive these things. So um, we're present before God this morning for this purpose, to hear from him. That's what we want to do. We want to hear from God. So before we... Get into the message, and I have you uh, sit down and uh, listen. Let's, uh, let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, we, we come into your presence this morning. We thank you for the word that we've already heard. Father, about rejoicing, we, we ought to rejoice. We ought to, Father, give thanks even in the midst of trial and tribulation. Father, for the salvation that we have and for the God that we have and for knowing, Father, like Romans 8.28 says, that you cause all things to work together for our good, uh, to the good of those who, who love you and are called according to your purpose, Father. And that even, even these things that we look at and we say, well, that's not a good thing, that's, that's an adverse thing, it's a hard thing, it's difficult, like Brother Mike was talking about his job, it's difficult right now for him to go through. Father, we know that you bring these things into our lives for the express purpose of, of conforming us into the image of your Son. and Father, causing us to, to see more of you, to know more of you, to be able to trust you more, to have our faith increase, that we may grow in grace. And Father, we ask this morning that, that you would speak, Father, unto us, that you would manifest yourself, that you would glorify yourself, Father, even in our presence, that we might, might see these things as they are, Father, in, in this text this morning and, and understand them and and, Father, apply them even unto our lives. And ask that you would help us, Father, by your Spirit to do so. We ask these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> the First Amendment to the Constitution of the United States gives us the right as American citizens to peaceably assemble. You look at this man, Cornelius, he has gathered together all of his friends and all of his relatives because he's heard that this man, Peter, is going to come and speak words to him from God. Now, 
you can test yourselves this morning to see whether or not you truly believe that when we come together as a congregation that God is going to speak. Have you been like Cornelius this week? The people that you run into, have you said, hey, we have a service Sunday mornings. Have a devotion, scripture reading starts about 1030 and a worship hour that starts at 11 and God is going to meet with us. And God is going to speak unto us. And if you'll come and you'll prepare your heart and you'll ask God to speak unto you, I believe that he truly will. You know, have we been like Cornelius? I'm sure Cornelius probably used some words, something like that. An angel appeared to me and told me, told me that, that this man is coming to speak words unto us from God. And I want you, I, I, I love you enough that I want you to come and be able to hear these words. I want, you to, I want you to be able to, to, to hear the words that God has to say. You know, do, we, do we feel that way about the meeting or have we become dull? I, I, I think to a degree I can say even of myself that, that we get into a groove and, and, and a rut, I guess is a better word, and um, we don't really think about it in exactly these terms and rejoice, as Brother Mike was talking to us this morning about, rejoice in the fact, this morning, I get to get up, and I get to go to God's house, and I get to hear the Word of God preached, and I get to congregate with the saints, and I get to fellowship with them, and I get to receive encouragement from them, and I get to, to pray with them, and I get to sing hymns and rejoice and praise and glorify my God. We don't necessarily think of it in those terms always. But the Constitution does give us that right to assemble peaceably together. I can tell you this morning, without a shadow of a doubt, that there is no assembly gathered together today that would qualify. Now, let me, let me just make sure that you're understanding what I'm saying. The Constitution says we can join together, assemble together Peaceably, We have that right. First Amendment right. Okay? Now, the government doesn't have a problem this morning with us meeting together. We're not taking up arms. We're not planning to overthrow, uh, you know, the, the government that we're under. You know, that's not, that's not our thoughts. The kingdom that we are of is not of this world. You know, the Lord said that unto Pilate. He said, if my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight. He said, my kingdom's not of this world. I'm a king. You, know, you rightly said that, but my kingdom's not of this world. You know, we, we don't need to take up arms and fight for anything necessarily. We, we pray. You know, the weapons of our warfare, the Bible says, you know, they're spiritual in nature. They're not, they're not physical weapons. They're spiritual weapons. But we have the right by our government, and not all governments have that right. You think about other countries around the world. There are people in China and other places that have to meet underground. They don't have the right to peaceably assemble out openly and have a sign out there on the road that says Cheetah Baptist Church meets here at 11 o'clock on Sunday you know, or at 7 o'clock on Wednesday nights. You know, they don't have that right, but we do. We have that right. But listen to what I'm saying now. There is no assembly gathered together today that would qualify as a peaceful, peaceable assembly in the sight of God. Now, in the sight of the government, we're peaceably assembled here, all right? Now, there is no assembly that would qualify as a peaceable assembly in the sight of God outside of this. People this morning that are sitting in 
the grandstands and the bleachers watching football games are not peaceably assembled in the sight of God. For the most part, they are people who are at enmity with God. They are not at peace with God. They're not peaceably assembled there in the stadiums, the concert halls, the theaters. But this assembly, if you know Christ as your Savior, then this morning you are assembling here peaceably in the sight of God. Just a different perspective. No other assembly gathers for the purpose that this one does. I'm not talking about just our assembly here. I'm talking about the church. No other assembly gathers together for the purpose that this one does. The church gathers together to worship God, to hear from him. Not men, but God. And that goes for me. I hope you're not here to hear from me necessarily this morning. You're here to hear from the Lord. You want to hear him speak unto you. Millions of people will be gathered together today to hear men speak by words or actions, whether it's on the football field, baseball field, you know, whatever, NASCAR. You know, they're there to hear men speak by their words and their actions. They win accolades by people, by, you know, the feats that they do or, you know, the words that they speak. But they're not assembled peaceably in the sight of God. They may not carry guns or weapons to fight against God, but they are at enmity with him. Nor is there any other assembly that promises what the gathering of the church does. If you think about the promises that are ours in Christ. I can't go to a football game and, and, and be encouraged. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not down. I mean, yesterday we were sitting in the living room. We were watching a football game. I'm not saying you shouldn't watch football games. You know. So I'm not, I'm not necessarily you know, downing sports in that regard other than you know, the place for me on Sunday is here in God's house to worship him. I know sometimes there are things that take us away from that, that you know, we can't help. But this is where I, there's no place I'd rather be this morning. Let me put it to you that way. No place I'd rather be this morning than right here, right now, assembled with God's people. You know, I don't want to be at Disneyland. I, I, I don't want to be you know, anywhere else. I, I want to be right here, assembled with God's people. I want to be standing on the precipice of the Grand Canyon, as wonderful as that would be to see that glorious sight. You know, or the Redwoods in California, you know, or Mount Rushmore, things like that. Wonderful things that our eyes can behold. But this morning, where I want to be is assembled with God's people. Why? Why is that? Why do I want to be assembled with God's people? Why do I want to be in God's house? Because I want to hear from Him. I want to hear from Him. I want to be spoken to by him. I want to know what it is that he has to say unto me. And Lord, what is it you have to say unto me this morning? What do you have to say to Russell Lee this morning? What is it that you'd have me to do? That's what I want to know. And that was the hope of Cornelius, who had called all of his friends together, all of his family. And I think about Rahab, the harlot. She tried to get all of her family needed to come in. You know, the, the walls were fixing to fall. The city was going to be taken, overthrown, and destroyed. You know, the, you, you've got a picture of this sort of thing here. You know, come, come in. Here's, here's safety. Here's, here's peace. You know, here's this, we saw that lighthouse yesterday, Brother Mike. Here's, here's this beacon 
of, of, of God's glory and of his grace and of his mercy and of salvation. But people don't want to hear that for the most part that we talk to. But here's a place where God calls. God's calling you this morning to something. I don't know what that is, but he's calling you to something. And it's also a place where God is called upon. A place where God calls and a place where God is called upon. And for this purpose, we are gathered together like Cornelius to hear words. We want to hear words from him. Have we really come together for this reason? How'd you wake up this morning and view coming to church? I know sometimes we get up in the morning and what day is it, Dad? Sunday. Oh, Dad, it's Sunday. I go to church, you know. I couldn't remember feeling that way when I was little. You know, my friends, were, they didn't go to church. They were all outside playing, riding their bikes, you know, and I wanted to be with them. You know, God hadn't, like Samuel, called me. But how did you wake up this morning and view this gathering? Did you, as Brother Mike brought that word to us this morning, did you rejoice? Were you glad this morning I get to get up and go to church? Psalm 122, 1, David says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Why was he glad? He was going to hear from God. He was going to hear from God and say unto him, what would you have me to do? Speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. Did you come today with that expectation? Brother Wiseman, did you come this morning expecting to hear from God? Yes. Didn't come to hear from me. Come to hear from God. Where else can we go to hear words of eternal life? You know, the Lord asked the disciples, will you also go away? And they said, Lord, where will we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where else would I go this morning? Here are the words of eternal life. Where else can I go? Brother Mike, I was mentioning to him yesterday what I was going to be speaking upon. So we were spending some time together. And uh, he mentioned this passage in Nehemiah 8, verses 1 through 6. If you want to turn there, you can. You don't have to. I'll read it to you. Um, Ezra, speaking here, all the people were gathered, had gathered themselves together as one man. I hope we've come together you know, as one this morning. For what purpose? Hear from God. They gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate, and they spoke unto Ezra, the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday. Now, some of you, before the end of the service, may be looking at your watch. Can you imagine? I mean, from the morning till midday, he was reading from, I'm not going to do that this morning. From morning till midday, he was reading from God's word before the men and all the women and those that could understand in the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose. That's what this is there for. It doesn't stand here when we perform a wedding ceremony. It's usually moved out of the way. What's it here for? It's here for the preaching of God's word. It's for that purpose. They had a pulpit of wood there for that very purpose. And beside him 
there are several men that stood. I'm not going to read all their names. I wouldn't be able to pronounce most of them. Mike, I know you struggled through some of this morning. I would have too. Um, but the point is, Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. He was, a, he was up to where people could see him, you know, up higher than the people so they could all see him and hear from him. His voice would project out and they could all hear. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. We stood this morning for the reading of God's word. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up of their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. This is the message for us this morning. That we've gathered together. We're present here this morning to hear from God. That was the thing that so enraptured the mind and the heart of Cornelius that he gathered together all of his friends and his loved ones. Are we as confident if we were to bring together our friends and our loved ones that God would speak unto them? As I said, we get into a rut and we can become dull of hearing. Our Lord had that to say and to some that he's spoken to in Matthew chapter 13, verses 14 through 16. He said, In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing you shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see and not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. What a blessing it is to have seeing eyes and hearing ears. And I'm not talking about the physical things. And I know that verses 14 and 15 are speaking unto those who don't want to hear. But what I'm saying is there's times when we become dull. I'm talking about us who have hearing ears and seeing eyes. We become dull and we get into a rut. We're gathered together to hear from God when we come. Who more important can we hear from? I remember hearing Brother Conrad talk about when, I forget who it was, but astronaut or president or somebody came to Houston, Texas when he was living there, and he had actually gone to a jewelry store to buy a ring for Sister Eunice because he wanted to, to marry her and uh, didn't know this man was coming to town. And there were people that had gathered from miles around he was just a throng of people, and he couldn't really hardly make himself, make a way through to get where he was going. And people will gather and crowd to hear from men. But look this morning. You know, I was reading through the old church membership book from back in, I don't know, there's some, there's some names in there from the 1800s. Lots from 1909 and early 1900s. And I was reading some of the early church minutes. And there was like 200 people here. And I don't think back then they had this facility. There used to be another church building out there. Where those little scrubby trees are growing where that, where that wire comes down from the telephone or the electric pole out there. Just that guy wire to hold it, you know. Used to be an old building out there. Probably 200 people sitting in a place with no air conditioning that we have this morning. You know, um, you know may not even have had lights 
you know, inside like we have this morning, and everything's well lit and have cushions on the pews, albeit they are worn, and they're not as cushiony as they were when, we, when they first were put there. Um, but probably, oh, you know, creaking, um, you know, those old wooden slat, you know, pews, maybe not many of them, and people probably, maybe even outside the building, and the windows were open, you know, let some breeze come in, plus there's people out there, and they want to hear too, there's not enough room inside the building. We don't have that today. It's not because there's not people. There's plenty of people. Plenty of people. But they're not interested in hearing. Their, their hearts are, are dull. And their ears, their hearts are waxed cold and their ears are dull. They don't want to hear. So we gather together expecting to hear from God. Expecting Him to speak unto us. Do we really expect this? Are we coming with that expectation? We need to be coming with that expectation. I mean, what would happen? What might God do if we lived in the reality of the things that he has told us? I mean, the full-blown reality of the things that he has told us from his word. Like what he says in Matthew 7, 7 through 8, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened. Everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth. And him that knocketh it shall be opened. What might God do for such a man who was completely given over, a woman who's given over to God in such a way as we all ought to be? What might God do for a people who are given over to such ideas as God speaks to us on Sundays and Wednesdays when we meet together? Or God will speak to me as I meditate and read throughout the week and pray on my own. What might God speak unto you and say unto you? What might God reveal unto you? What might God do for you? Might if I truly believe what God has said and pray daily for my children's salvation, might he save them? Might if I, if I minister unto them and preach the gospel unto them, might they receive it joyfully? Rejoice in it and come to me one day and say, Dad, I believe the Lord saved me. Might I have that expectation? Might that be my might not that be my heart's hope? Yet we find ourselves, I tell you, Teresa's pregnant now with our fourth. And before every one of them have even seen the first daylight, I have prayed for them. Ask the Lord, save them. Help, help me to be the kind of father I need to be for them, for their sakes. That I might instruct them and train them and bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Help me to be that kind of dad. Help me to be that kind of husband. Help me to be that kind of son unto my mom and dad and brother unto my brothers who are here. And friend unto you all. Or nephew or um, you know any other relationship that we have with people upon the earth but most importantly that I be the kind of servant that I ought to be might God work that in me might God conform me to the image of his son use me for his glory sure what might God do for such a person who asked for such things who came here this morning wanted to hear from him what might God do for that person those who ask, receive.
Are we coming to the meeting thus prepared? Are we coming to the meeting enraptured with the thought that this is the place, this is God's house? And it doesn't have to be this building. We don't have to have this. We could have what those people a hundred years ago had, you know, just an old shack. Or we could have a tree to meet under or somebody's house. We don't have to have this, but we do. What comfort God has placed us in, what nice facilities he's given unto us. I know you weren't able to come through the door this morning because we're changing out the locks and we had a problem. Um, but, you know, what, what God has done for us, what mercies he's shown unto us, what things we have that they didn't have a hundred years ago, and here we are but just a few. And there were hundreds of, of them back then. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse number 1. He said, I will stand upon my watch. I will set me upon the tower. I will watch to see what, the, what he or what the Lord will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. Now we've talked about it from the side of God speaking. I want God to speak unto me. Well, what are you going to do when God speaks unto you? That's what Habakkuk says. He's saying, what I'm going to hear from God, and then he says, what answer I'm going to give when I'm reproved of him. When God puts his finger upon something in my life and says, you know this has been here for a while, and you know you need to have been doing something about this. You know all you have to do is to call upon me and ask me for grace. I, there's nothing greater than I am, he tells us. He said, I can give you strength to overcome. I can cause you to triumph in Christ. What are you doing with this thing? Why is this thing still here? Why don't you get rid of it? Why don't you lay aside the weight of sin that so easily besets you this morning? Why don't, why don't you say, I will not. I will not do that again. I will lay that aside. God helping me, and I will overcome, and I will glorify God in this. You know, what are you going to answer when God says something unto you? What are you going to answer when you're reproved of him? Or what are you going to answer whenever you hear something encouraging? Are you going to give the answer that Mike spoke to us about this morning? Are you going to rejoice? Are you going to give thanks? You know, we need to be able to give an answer for these things. Brother Mike mentioned it's kind of a long-range plan, which, brother, I'm praying against you. I'm praying the Lord shorten that. You come here sooner. <laughs> it's in a few years away. Um, but uh, we're praying the Lord's time in that, and, and the Lord's will in that. If, he, if he'd have you all to be added unto us, we'd love to have you. But um, they were looking at thinking about house plans and um, he was talking to me yesterday about some houses that he had seen upon the shores of Nova Scotia. And I thought about this, brother, when I was thinking about Habakkuk, and he set himself upon the watchtower. I thought maybe he might want to design one of these into the house. I don't know. But he told me about something called the widow's walk. Anybody ever heard of that? I mean, those widows would, or the ladies would get up there. They might become widows. Might get up there and pace back and forth watching for their husbands to return from the sea. They didn't have cell phones. They couldn't say, hey, you know, Henry, are you okay? Everything going all right. You know, they had to wait. I mean, they guys couldn't just drop a letter, you know, and they were out in sea, you know. I guess if they had a carrier pigeon or something that could fly that far, they could put a note on it and send it home. But um, most of them probably didn't have the means to even buy something like that if it was available. But uh, 
they would walk up there and wait. And I'm sure they walked up there and they prayed. And they asked God, bring my son or bring my husband home unto me. It was kind of like a porch, I guess, on the second story facing the ocean. This is something like what Habakkuk is saying here when he says he will stand upon his watch. Wait upon God. You know, there's a sense in which we need to come like that when we come to the worship service. We need to come waiting, anticipating. We've been seeking, we've been asking. But the wise man said this morning, he was asking. But you know what? His asking isn't necessarily enough for you. His asking is enough for him. You need to be asking. I need to be asking. You know, you're asking, you're asking for me. Man, that's not enough for me. I need to be asking too. I need to be asking, you know, I'm, sometimes I feel like, you know, us preachers are a little bit duller than y'all are because of hearing, that is. We have to get this twice. You know, I study and prepare, and then I give it unto you, and I get to get it twice. You know, I need to hear it twice. What is it the Lord saying unto me? I have to ask myself that question. What is it you're saying unto me, Lord? What is it you want me to know from this, to take away from the worship service? This place and this building stands for this purpose. We've come for this reason, to hear from the Lord. Have your ears become dull? Did you come this morning expecting to hear? Or did you come this morning because it was your right? It's free country. It was your duty. It was your obligation. Your parents expected you to be here. Or, you know, you wanted to meet somebody here. Hopefully that's God who you want to meet. You know, did you come for some other type of a reason? Or did you come from... A sincere and earnest, heartfelt desire to hear from God. We can become dull. Hebrews 5, 8 through 12 tells us that. He says, talking about our Lord Jesus Christ, he says, Though he were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say. And hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. That's what he says. We have a lot of things we want to say, but you're dull of hearing. For when, for such, for the time, you ought to be teachers. And he says you need that one teach you again the very first principles of the oracles of God. And are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. That's Hebrews 5, 8 through 12. Yeah, it's a right thing to do to come here. Certainly. It's our duty. Those, you know, we could use those terms. But it ought to be our desire, our sincere desire. Not only is it right, but it is right that I rejoice and am glad that I'm able to come. You know, I've got a grandpa that he's 90 years old this year. And there's a lot of times he gets up in the morning and he doesn't feel like coming. I don't know what it's like to be 90 years old. And I don't want to know what I'm going to feel like when I get to be that age. And I know there might be some mornings that I just can't get out of bed. We need to take advantage of the time that we have. It's passing quickly. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing 40, but I think in my mind, look back, I just graduated from high school. That's what it feels like sometimes. Even though I've got the fourth child, you know, on the way. 
It passes quickly. Dad turned 60 this week. Called him, told him happy birthday, and he told me the funniest thing, I thought anyway. He said, you know, yesterday, son, I had the body of a 59-year-old. <laughs> uh, but um, it passes quick. You know, I look at him now, and he's gray in the beard. And I remember when I was a kid, and it was all black, and there wasn't any gray at all. And how time has passed. So there's all sorts of gatherings this morning. People are able, their First Amendment right, to gather peaceably wherever. But the thing about it is, when we gather, it's in God's sight. And as I've been implying this morning about you coming and how did you come, you know, I, I don't necessarily know that. But the Lord knows. He can see our hearts. He sees our thoughts. He knows how we came this morning. He knows why we came this morning. Everything's done in his sight. Anytime we gather, it's all in his sight. And that's what Cornelius said. He said, we're all here, present before God. We're gathered together before God. We're gathered together in God's sight to hear words from him. So we ask ourselves the question, how does our heart appear this morning in his sight? Here are some gatherings from Scripture. Listen to these. Luke 16, 15 says, And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. He's speaking to a group of people who want to be esteemed by men. Want to gather together, be esteemed by... You've got to gather together with other men to be esteemed by men. So we're talking about a gathering here. They're gathering together to be esteemed to one another. Well, you know, look at this doctorate that I have. Look at all these letters behind, you know, my name. And, you know, look at my phylacteries and the wide bands upon my garments and upon my forehead. And listen to me pray upon the street corners. The Pharisees did make long, you know, prayers and long pretense of prayer. And go into the temple and, and say, God, I'm glad I'm not like that sinner over there. You know, I fast twice a week. I do this and that. You know, I pay tithes. You know, that's, they wanted esteem of men. And God said, what did he say? What did the Lord say unto them? He said, you have your reward. You have your reward. So God sees these types of meetings that take place. In Acts 4, 18 through 20, it says, And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But in this passage that Brother Mike was talking about this morning, Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God. We're talking about the sight of God here. And are gathering together in the sight of God. And what we do in the sight of God. Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you, if I was wanting to esteem men, I'd say, okay, all right. You know, I, I can see I'm offending you, and I'm, I'm not going to have your esteem, and I'm not going to have your favor if I continue to do this. I, I, I'll yield. I won't do it anymore. But that's not the esteem they looked for. They wanted the esteem, you know, not of men. They wanted praise not of men. They wanted to glorify God. Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge you. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We can't help it. I've got to speak these things. If I truly rejoice in them, as we heard this morning, I can't help but speak them. You know, pass another amendment and say I don't have the right to assemble together. Guess what? I can't help it. I can't help it. I've got to honor God instead of men. Acts 8, 18-21 When Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands that the Holy Ghost was given, 
He offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that whomsoever I lay hands on, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Your money perish with you, because you thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. So here's a gathering. And here's people who Peter was laying hands upon, and they were receiving the Holy Ghost. And Simon, whose heart's not right in the sight of God, says, Hey, I'd like to have that. Well, people will really think a lot of me if I had that, you know. People really esteem me. I could make a lot of money, he might say, you know, off of something like that. And men do. They make merchandise of our Lord. Not right in sight of God. 2 Corinthians 2.17. Here's the appropriate way. He said, for we are not as many. We're not like Simon's heart was. We're not as many which corrupt the word of God. We don't pull scripture out of context and say this is what this means so, so that we tickle men's ears and that people receive something that they want to hear and is easy listening, easy hearing. No, if the Lord has something that's reproving to say, we're faithful to speak that unto, that's, unto them. That's what he's saying. We're not as many which corrupt the word of God. We don't make merchandise of Christ. But as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. We're speaking in Christ's dead. Christ has called us to speak. We are ambassadors. And every time I think of that passage, I think of Brother Mark. Because that's, you know, that's one of the messages I've heard from him. We're ambassadors of Christ. He told us, I think even here he preached that message one time. You know, we conduct ourselves as such. If we were ambassadors of the United States, we would conduct ourselves in a way that would not bring shame or reproach upon our country. And so, as ambassadors of Christ, we conduct ourselves in a certain way. And these men were saying, we conduct ourselves in this way. We don't make merchandise of Christ. We don't corrupt the Word of God. We speak in sincerity the Word of God. We speak in Christ's stead. We take this responsibility very seriously. So what we do, we do not only in the sight of men, but also in the sight of God. And the Bible calls us to abstain from the very appearance of evil. But I'm in his sight always. You know, the email that I sent to y'all, the ones that, those of you that have your email address, and Brother Wiseman, I need to get your wife's email address so that you get some of these things. This was good. It came from Brother Mac Tomlinson, a man named Sam Storms. I've never met him, but he's written some really good things. Um, but talked about that void out there in space where there weren't any stars or planets or anything. They can't find anything there. And, uh, you know, I could just, in my mind, I was telling, I think, were you and I talking about that yesterday, Brother Mike? I don't know. But I'm like, you know, oh, contraire, mon frere. You know, it's got to the contrary, my friend. You know, God's there. I don't care if you find a star or a planet there in this black void of space. God's there. And no matter where we go, and David said that, if I make my bed in the grave or hell itself, he said, Behold, thou art there. There's not a place that God is not. He is inescapable. Our purpose is always before him. Though it may be hidden from men, we may come into the gathering of God's people. And we all may look at you. All the rest of us may look at you. You may, may look at me and say, Well, he's here for the right reason. And yet in his heart, he's not. God knows. God knows.
We can hide things from men, but not God. This hour is set aside above all other hours of the week. This is the most important hour right now. Most important hour of the week for me. You know, here I am during the week. I'm reading God's Word. And Tim, Brooke, we were Wednesday night. We were talking about God's Spirit being within us. And God's with me. And the Lord said, Lo, I am with you even unto the end of the world. He's with me. But you know, there's, there's something more. When we come together as God's people, or else the Lord wouldn't have said, Whenever two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. Most gatherings today will have little thought of God in them. Most of the gatherings will be in the sight of men to please men. That's what they're after, and they have their reward. You know, the reward I'm looking for, you know, is, is, is that treasure, you know, hid in the field for which a man goes and sells all that he has that he might buy the field. He's not really interested in the field so much as the treasure that's in the field. That's what he wants. And the reality of it is that God's here. God's here with us. Matthew 18, 19, and 20, he says, Again, I say unto you that if two or three, or if two of you even, shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done of them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am I in the midst of them. How often we use that for a gathering when we come together. But do we really, in light of what we've been talking about this morning, think of it in, in, in the reality of what it is? In the reality that Cornelius viewed it. God's going to come and speak unto us. You're coming here. You know, do, we, do we come that way? I'm excited to be here. I want to be. I'm rejoicing in the fact that I'm, I'm here to hear from God. To hear words by which we must be saved. Faith cometh by hearing, Romans 10, 17 says, and hearing by the word of God. And here we are hearing the word of God. How essential, how crucial some of these things have been that I have heard men speak unto me as I've gone through some things in my life. How comforting some of these things have been. How necessary. How glad I am that I have received them. Matthew 13, 16 and 17, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. There is an outcome. Let me tell you this morning, there is an outcome. Everybody that's heard the sound of my voice, there is an outcome. God's word does not return to him void. It accomplishes that purpose for which he sent it. There's an outcome. Everybody's going to make a decision this morning. One way or the other. There's consequence too. For all the words that we hear, we're responsible for them. 
And not only are we responsible for them that are here in this building right now, but all the people this morning who've chosen not to go and to meet in God's house somewhere and to hear words from Him somewhere, there's consequences for them too that they've not gone and they've not heard. God commands, Ryan and I were talking yesterday as we went to the grocery store, God commands all men everywhere to repent. There's consequences. Unto all men. All men are before God. All is open in His sight. So this gathering is not in vain. It's not meaningless. God's purposes are being accomplished. Every one of us will leave here changed. For the better or for the worse. We'll leave here rejoicing, Brother Mike. Or we'll leave here saying, man. Did you know he preached 15 minutes past 12? It will either be a blessed occasion of salvation or damnation. Men will turn to or from the Lord. People will respond. You think about Paul before Felix in Acts 24, 25. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled. That sounds pretty good right there. But then he gives this answer. Paul, go your way for a time. And when I have a convenient season, I'll hear you again. That season may never come. Sadly, someone may actually, and I heard Brother Conrad say this recently, and I don't hesitate to say it too, sin away of the day of grace. Still others like Agrippa, Paul speaking unto in Acts 26, 28, he says, Paul, almost... You got pretty close. You almost persuaded me, a king, to become a Christian. Paul said, I wish you were almost and altogether persuaded to become a Christian. Time is a more precious commodity than most of us realize. John Piper wrote a book, Life is a Vapor. I haven't been able to read it. Is that one that you picked up? I don't know. Have you read that one? No. I heard it's really good. And it is. The Bible says life is a vapor. Time is a precious commodity. We really do not know how much of it we have left. Brother Wiseman, I may not see you after today. Or you may not see me. One way or the other. Who knows? We don't know. We have no idea. But right now, God's speaking. Are we hearing? Are we listening? Are we doing? I'm going to read two other passages of Scripture to you, and then I'll close. Hebrews 3, 12 through 15. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. I mean, this is where dullness goes beyond being dull of hearing on occasion. We're tired. We come to the worship service tired because we played really hard yesterday. And we just we worked really hard yesterday, and we're just not as attentive as we would be had we gotten our rest. I mean, if we're going to go on a camping trip, Brother Mike, we're going to prepare. We're not going to get up in the morning and say, okay, what do we need? You know, the tent. We've got to get the tent. Don't forget the tent. And more than likely, the night before, the day before, man, we've been packing the Suburban full of tents and, and all kinds of gear. And we ought to prepare ourselves, our bodies, our physical bodies. We need to prepare our physical bodies even. We have, we have our spiritual 
selves to look after, but also our physical bodies too. We need to take care of those. I had a friend that used to tell me, he said, uh, you know, the passage that says bodily exercise profits little. You know, but godliness is, is profitable for all things. He said, the Bible does say bodily exercise profits a little. He tried to encourage me to exercise, you know. You need to take care of the body. Yeah, he, he would run six miles a day every day. You know, I, just, I really can't see myself doing that. I can't see myself having the time to do that, you know, you know working and studying and, and uh, all of these things. But uh, it does profit. It is profitable. I can tell you when I do, I feel better. But preparing our bodies before we come to the worship service, you know, getting enough rest, not staying up till 1 o'clock in the morning watching movies, you know, not saying you shouldn't watch movies, but we need to prepare ourselves. Now, if you can stay up to 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning watching movies and then come to the worship service and actually hear, if you actually have a mind like that, hey, go ahead. I, I don't. If I stay up that late, I'm not going to be worth much the next day. But take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. This is incredible. I mean, I've known people who have done this. They've departed from God. Paul knew people. He said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. This is an incredible thought that somebody could come into the knowledge of these things and understand some of these things and then depart. Take heed lest there be an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. We need to be careful. What does he say here? He says, exhort one another. Brother, I need to exhort you and you need to exhort me. We need to be exhorted. We need to exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is deceitful. Sin will harden you. Look at Pharaoh. Ryan and I were talking about Pharaoh yesterday. And you know, and you go and read about those accounts and and Pharaoh, you know, he's, he doesn't want to let the people go. And God sends a plague. And he says, okay, 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 I yield, I yield, I yield. You know, I'll let you go. And then he hardens his heart. And then God sends another plague. Okay, 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 mercy, mercy, mercy. And then he doesn't let him go. And he hardens his heart. And there comes a point where you continue reading that account. And you see that God hardens his heart. I don't want to come to that place. lest any of you are hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Stay steady. Brother Barney preached to us about that. Don't stop praying. He was talking about praying and feigning not. The Bible wouldn't say that, there, that, that not to faint unless there's a possibility of you doing so. All men ought to pray. And not faint. Don't stop praying. Keep steady. It's hard to pray sometimes. But keep steady. Keep a steady course. Keep your eye upon Christ. Look unto him. The author and finisher of our faith. If we hold the beginning of our confidence. Steadfast unto the end. While it is said. Today if you will hear his voice. Harden not your hearts. As in the provocation. In the wilderness. They harden their hearts. And Isaiah 55. 6 through 13. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my, and people, he says, my thoughts aren't your thoughts. If you ever read Pilgrim's Progress, you know there was the man there in the iron cage. 
And, and Christian kept saying to him, why don't you ask God to forgive you? He says, I can't believe that God could forgive me. I've done too many things. I can't be forgiven. God's thoughts are our thoughts. He says, return unto him. He will have mercy and he will abundantly pardon. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. For ye shall go out with joy, for the mic, and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off.